Big Man Month. Big Man Month. Big Man Month. Welcome, everybody, to the R&R CatCast, a fan-based podcast focusing on Montana State athletics. We're two dudes named Brian from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy it. Bobcat fans, you know what Mike Kramer used to call November? Big Man Month. That's right. Big Man Month. <laughs> <laughs> We're here, man. November, man. It is Big Man Month. And Bobcats, well, under Jeff Cho, they've risen to the occasion when it's come to Big Man Month. Yep, they were 3-0 and last year in November and off to a 1-0 start this November. Not bad. Feels good. Feels oh, great. Feels good. You know what else feels good? Ooh. Crack Cracking a, a beer. One. Excellent. All right. Well, welcome back to the CatCast, everybody. Thank you for joining us. On tonight's episode, we're going to we're going to talk about our beers. We're going to go over the news and some where did the Bobcats land in this week's FCS stats poll? Uh, we're going to, do, of course, uh, recap the game against Southern Utah. And, of course, we're going to preview the game on Northern Colorado. And we'll get you out with some buy or sell, uh, golden koozie questions, and our general go cats. Sounds good, man. Let's do it. I'm excited. It's always always better to do this after a win. Last week, we pretty much ranted the whole episode. So it would be fun to not rant the whole time. Yeah, it feels a lot different. It, it feels does. a lot different. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, quickly, Thorny, if the Cats would have lost last weekend, man, we were going to burn it down. So <laughs> I'm just glad that's not happening tonight. <laughs> uh, I don't even want to think of how I would have reacted. <laughs> Fight or flight right there, I guess. Yeah, there you go. All right, Thorny, what do you got on tap tonight, buddy? It is the, from your neck of the woods, I don't know how to say it. You'll have to help me out. No, Lee. No lie. No lie. <laughs> I don't know why I said that so weird. The No Lie <laughs> Wrecking Ball Imperial Stout from Spokane, Washington. That sounds big. It is big. It's got a huge ball and chain wrecking ball on it because I wanted uh, an, another beer that spoke to how I felt about the game last week. I picked out an IPA. I took one for the team, the Golden Grit. Clearly, willed us <laughs> to victory. So in keeping with that tradition, I got the wrecking ball because Troy Anderson was turning into a wrecking ball kind of living up to, I think, what everyone hoped we'd see out of him this year. But it is 9.5% alcohol within 100 IBUs. With 100 IBUs? One hundo. Thorny. Big man month. <laughs> man, for some, <laughs> you're blowing my mind, man. For someone who, like, like avoids IBUs like the plague, <laughs> you're going all out. It's crazy. Are you, are you feeling okay? In all honesty, I didn't know it was that high of IBU until I took it home and I was reading it before I opened it. <laughs> Big man month. It's actually really good. It's actually pretty damn good. It's not that bitter. It's a, It's got like a rich coffee chocolatey taste to it. Imperial Stout. It's good. Nice, man. Well, I'll return the favor. If you took one from my neck of the woods, I got one from Seattle, Georgetown Brewing, Bodhi's Alpha, India Pale Ale. That's just point break right there, Thorny. Like the movie? 
Yeah, man. That's a, that's paying homage to good old Patrick Swayze right there. <laughs> uh, nice. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, they have a couple, they, they, they also have a, another beer named Johnny Utah, which is a pale ale. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so it's extremely uh, pale. Yeah. Bodie's off of man. It's, uh, there's one I've had a couple times before, mainly on tap, but uh, you can find it in the cans. And I picked a six pack up just this afternoon. It's a good one. Nice. Good choice. Right on, man. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Thorny Bobcats came in today at number 12 in the polls. They moved up from number 14. That's about where I thought they would land. What's your thoughts? That sounds about right. Um, I was thinking that they might move up a little closer to the top 10, not because I think we deserve it, just because I think some other teams lost. But moving up two spots after blowing out uh, one of the worst teams in the country, sounds about right. Yeah. I don't have really much to say on that. It's just we've been floating around this, you know, between 15 and 8 or something like that this year. It feels about right, if not overly generous for the cats at this point i think the voters are going to have a little hesitancy towards us until we actually prove we can beat a quality opponent really i mean cmo's having a pretty good season i guess but other than that you know who have we really beat it's a good point cmo's up to 17 this week in the fcs stats poll and so that's looking better for us each week okay thorny you did not vote in the Big Sky Podcast Network power ranking, but I'm going to put you on the spot. Give me your top five. I would have put, and you and I talked about this, and I, we actually, I think I switched my vote around. Weber State, Sac State, the Grizz, the Bobcats, and Eastern, I guess. Flip-flop Eastern and UC Davis, really, but uh, I think Eastern deserved it after a win. Yeah, the, that's exactly the same how my top five were. I put Eastern at number five. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Sac State was number two behind Weaver, and then I had the Grizz and then the Cats. So carbon copies there. I went back and forth on Sac State and the Grizz, but ultimately you guys you convinced me that, hey, Sac State still owns a win over the Grizz, and losing to Weaver, that's not the end of the world. Not that yeah. big a deal, really. <laughs> Well, then, you know, Montana jumps up to number six in the nation right now, and Sac State sitting at eight after that loss to Weber. I mean, Weber did kind of take Sac State to the woodshed. Kevin Thompson got injured, and so that's definitely a factor there. But for Montana to be ahead of Sac State right now, well, I can kind of get it. They beat Portland State on the road, but, you know, I would like to see Sac State and Montana flip-flop right there. I do think the Grizz without Dalton Sneed are better than Sac State without Kevin Thompson. Yeah, I would agree with that. That's probably a good assessment right there. If the injuries hold true, I have no idea what Kevin Thompson's status is. Hopefully he gets back because, I mean, you hate to see your best players go out in the latter part of the, the season. You know, you want to see Sac State give it its best shot. I mean, it's been a fun story watching Sac State, so it sucks for Kevin Thompson. Hopefully he's... Going to be back in the mix here soon. Especially a guy like Kevin Thompson, who's been pretty much injured most of his on and off his whole career. That's why he's got the, I guess he does have an earlier eligibility. <laughs> I was like, he's last year of eligibility. No, it's going to be like seventh year next year. So, but yeah, just a, a guy who's get injured on and off. He's feel bad. And they're having yeah. such a special season. You just want him to really keep it going. For sure. 
All right, let's move on to the press conference, Thorny. What jumped out to you? What did Jeff Choate say to you? Um, really, there's not a whole lot that jumped out in terms of what he said. Uh, one thing I did found find interesting, and I agree with him, they talked a little bit about the running back rotation, and they need to stop swapping out running backs so frequently because he thinks it impacts the rhythm, and that's kind of why they rode Lane Sumner a little bit more, and I think that was a good call. Like that's Running backs, are some guys just get stronger as the game goes on, but not if they just keep getting subbed out. Jeff Choate, as we've talked about, is it a pro or con? He believes everything is so plug and pay, play. It's still too to be determined, I guess, but it's looking like he's kind of rethinking his stance, at least when it comes to running backs. This is a good point. I remember him saying that. And it made me think a little bit about like how we're using Demarius Hosey, because I don't really remember Hosey coming up into the game last week. Nope. I think that's, that might be part of the reason he decided to, you know, Lame Sumner was ready to go and Logan Jones was ready to go, but I think that things went so well so quickly that they were able to rest Logan Jones and ride Sumner for the rest of the way. But I think that's just he wants to see what a guy can do with the full body of work. Gotcha. You know, sometimes on these press conferences, Jeff Choke comes out like he just drank like three cups of coffee. But this one felt a little bit more like he was drinking a beer around a campfire to me. He just seemed a little bit more relaxed, uh, more reflective. It might be that just, you know, later in the season kind of attitude, but uh, it's kind of different, the different hats he wears for his press conferences. Despite what he may have said last week or this week, he had been starting to feel an inkling of pressure somewhere after losing that game. So he probably was a little relaxed, a little bit of a weight off his shoulders. Like, all right, things are back on track. Yeah. That's, that's probably a good point. The other big thing that came out of the press conference was he did say that he thinks Munchie Filer will end up redshirting, which is kind of a bummer for him and for us because he, I think he is our best cornerback. But if he's not good to go, um, I guess it's a positive because we'll get, it means we'll get him back next year. Well, and he still could play two more games, if I'm right, because he's only played in two games so far. Yeah, I suppose if we end up doing any sort of playoff round, he might be back. I mean, I have no idea what the extent of his injury is, but... I'm just going to assume that even if we go all the way to the national championship, uh, Munchie's probably not playing. But that's just a, my assumption, gut feeling. No facts to base that on. No, it'll be interesting to see what Montana State does in the UC Davis and Grizz game. I mean, we're just going to have to... It's backs against the wall right now. You're just going to have to play your best players and hope for the best. Well, we did blow out a Southern Utah team and get plenty of those guys who might help us down the stretch some playing time. So that was uh, some pretty good news from the game. Yeah. Do you want to move into the Southern Utah stats? Uh, the last thing I do want to mention the news, uh, I meant to bring this up earlier. Basketball season starts tomorrow. Men's basketball tips off at Utah State, and I believe it's on Root Sports. So if you bought Root Sports online streaming just to watch a slaughter Southern Utah, you also get the bonus of watching the Bobcats probably get slaughtered by like the number 17 ranked Utah State. Whatever they are, Aggies, they're there. <laughs> They have a cool-looking stadium. I saw some of their graphics on, uh, or Zach Mackey was posting some Twitter stuff today, and just like, it's, I don't know, this is a really cool stadium. I, I would in, uh, encourage you guys to watch that. Good luck to Danny Sprinkle, first game. I'm really excited about Montana State basketball. Uh, maybe you knew I will have to do some sort of basketball recap. That's not our strong suit. But uh, I think we did one episode last year. We if- did, only because Brian Fish got, and we talked about that. 
I think you and I at that point were just itching to get back behind the microphone as well. <laughs> I know. It's like the season's kind of a slog and you're kind of happy when it's over, but then like a month later, you just kind of get the itch to start recording again. So we're like, let's talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> so we're not going to promise anything. You'll just have to stay tuned. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move into the Southern Utah stats. Bobcats win the game. Oh man. That's the only stat I'm not looking at. 42 to seven, right? It's correct, Thorny. Scoring all 42 points in the first half, 21 in the first quarter, 21 in the second quarter. Bobcats end up with 19 first downs, 176 rushing yards, 206 passing yards. When's the last time we had more passing yards than we had rushing yards? That's a... I wish I would have thought of that earlier because I could have researched that. Uh, tail of tape, though. Five sacks. I don't even know how many tackles for loss for the Bobcats. 12.5. Twelve point five tackles for yeah, loss. Yeah, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. That's a that's a big number. Um, <laughs> third down conversions. The Bobcats only finished seven to sixteen, but I think that they were pretty stellar in the first half. Jeff Cho alluded to in the pr- press conference that they really went conservative in the second half to rest guys. So it's not surprising. We're going to talk a lot about what we think about the second half versus the first half later. Held Southern Utah to six to sixteen on third down. Uh, let's see what else, anything else. There's the two fumble recoveries for the Bobcats. Montana state really just dominated the game. And really, if you slice this up in the first half, it would, I think Southern Utah had negative rushing yards in the first half. If I remember correctly. They yeah. Made it, it was, at one point, they were like a negative 18 rushing yards. It was embarrassing for them. I know like this, that was not a good looking football team. Like there's been a lot of football teams that come into Bobcat stadium and get steamrolled, but I don't know if I've ever seen a score of 42 points against anybody in the first half. <laughs> I do want to talk a little bit about individual stats. Troy Anderson led the team, tied the team with eight tackles, three tackles for loss, one interception, two sacks. Not a bad day for the centaur. <laughs> there you go, Gus. Uh, Josh Hill had eight <laughs> tackles as well. And Amandre Williams had a really good game. He had three tackles for loss, a sack in that interception with a quarterback. Threw it right to him. Um, yeah, some good individual performances along the defense. Daniel Hardy almost had a pick six, hit him right in the bread basket, and then he dropped it. What did show uh, during the press conference? <laughs> he said he made fun of him for Halloween. He should have gone as a missed opportunity. Is that what he said? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's pretty funny. Yeah, they hit him. He broke on it. It was beautiful, and it just—I uh, mean, that's why you play defense, right? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Is Troy, Ander- is, is Troy Anderson becoming like quietly our best defensive player? I mean, the ceiling is there. <laughs> I don't know if he's there yet, but that was definitely his best game. And he's, it's a trend. It's just an upward trend. I don't know if he's getting healthy, starting to really dial in, or they're just being better at managing his snap count in particular on offense. But that was definitely his best game. And that was only in what a half, probably a half. Maybe he played in the third quarter. I didn't really know when they started subbing him out, but. I imagine pretty soon in the third quarter. But yeah, that's only two and a half quarters tops of football. Yeah, he's looking really good. I really like how Keena Ion is using him on his blitz packages specifically. I love the uh the the blitz, the double blitz in the the zero gap, right? That was that's hard to defend when you got Troy Anderson blitzing through there and, and whoever else they send in there. It looks great. Troy Anderson had a interception as well. He didn't have a return. He got caught uh from behind. But I mean he had like Two yards on return, so really nothing. But uh, come on, Troy, getting caught from behind. Come on, 
Um, more than anything, though, I mean, he had <laughs> such a he had such a good offensive game. But one thing that stood out for me with Troy Anderson was he gave up the ball when he was touching it on the offense. He was pitching the ball left and right, and it really opened up some things for us offensively. It was really cool because you know when Troy touches the ball, he's going to keep it. But no, uh, he got the ball. And we were, uh, he, he did two pitches, one to the left, one to the right, both for both games. It was really good. That leads me into something that I did. I compiled sort of, I went and re-listened to our episode from last week and kind of compiled of a list of things I thought that we thought we talked about us basically complaining, like, why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? We need to see this. I kind of compiled our list together and I want to kind of go through it, spend kind of the recap talking about that and seeing if we did some of the things that we talked about and if we liked what we saw. But one real quick thing before we get into that, kind of keeping on the stat track, if you had no idea the outcome of this game, what what would you tell you, what would you think if I told you Travis Johnson had zero rushing yards and zero catches, Trey Anderson had one rush for 16 yards, and we didn't hit 200 rushing yards as a team? What do you think we won? <laughs> given, given what we've done this season and the stat lines from the rest of our games, I would have said, nope, we would have lost that game. Exactly. Like, that's a... Some crazy stats. Elaine Sumner led the team with a rushing of 93 yards also. Just kind of throwing that out there. Not that he's a bad running back or anything. Just kind of, if he's doing that, what's going on kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, Choate said that they would have, they pulled him early. If they would have left him in, he probably would have easily got 100. I mean, there's some, there's some big stats left out there that we just didn't take. So, yeah, it's just a weird game all around. You know, an exciting game for the Bobcats. I mean, we're going to break it down. Uh, maybe we'll have different opinions on that. Why don't you get into the thing? Okay. And one of the first things that, from what I called our wish list, we needed to play to win. Do you think we played to win? I absolutely do. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Ah, that's and, a no brainer right there. Until, I mean, until the second half, I felt like we went back to our old kind of, well, conservative play not to lose. But that was by design. I mean, we really just you know, subbed in and I mean, that, that was obvious. I was more upset at the time when I was seeing this. I mean, you and I were texting through the game. I was like, we need to score at least 14 points in the second half to be happy. And when we put up a goose egg in the second half, I was, I was ticked. And then you're like, you need to calm down. (laughs) I I believe the word that you said was putrid. (laughs) (laughs) It was specific word. Yeah, well, there was some easy missed <laughs> opportunities. Uh, I mean, we're not. I don't. We need to go into those because you just go back and look at the game. But we sure. missed some wide open guys, and you know, some some plays on fourth down that we did not hit. You're just you're scratching your head, like, come on, like, how do you go from having such a prolific first half to such a putrid second half? Well, that's the way I felt on Saturday. Now, with a little bit of time to reflect on it, I feel pretty okay with what we were doing in the second half. So, yes. I feel like we were playing to win. I, I mean, for half of it. Yeah. <laughs> after after listening to Jeff Choate's press conference and kind of him talking about how much of that was by design, you would have liked to have seen some better production because there was still like Tucker Roy was still in there and all that stuff. But it's, I don't think it's something to panic about really or be even too concerned about. No, not at all. After I mean, coasting, after being up 42 to zero at halftime, it's going to be a little bit low energy. Yeah, if we wanted to put points on the board in the second half, we certainly could have. So it's it's nothing big. And, and going for it on fourth down, and I remember a couple of people chatting about that on the Bobcat Nation. Well, 
Jeff Choate specifically addressed that. He said, we just wanted to keep the uh, the clock running uh, out of respect for Southern Utah. Mercy wanted- kill. Yeah. <laughs> he said, we just wanted to get out of there. Yeah. All right. Keep going, Thorny. All right. So the, one of the things that we both harped on, uh, play calling. I believe your words here. I have them down here. Unimaginative and predictable. <laughs> not to call you. I'm not calling you anything. I'm just saying. I'm just kind of recapping what we talked about last episode. <laughs> it's all on air. It's not like you can go back and say I didn't say that because it's clearly there. Um, what do you think? In fact, you gave Matt Miller a D grade. What did you give him for this game? Let's just leave it at that. What did you give Matt Miller a grade for this game on an island? Oh, man. That is a, that's a good question. I would say... Well, I'm going to go into to the B category, uh, if not B plus. Like we saw at least, I want to say probably close to ten plays we have never seen before, and For sure. it was awesome. But then at one point, I started wondering. I was like, "Why are we putting this all out there right now?" <laughs> I mean, we have the game is in hand, but uh, I mean, just I think part of it too. Thorny was Tuckerovic just looks so much better, just so much more confident. And I wonder if that just opens up the playbook a little bit more. Now, Matt Miller, too, was down on the sideline. That is something different. And um, Brian Armstrong, I believe, was calling plays as well. So we're back to that kind of dual offensive coordinator again. Like, I, like I heard that. I, don't, was, I didn't really hear that Brian Armstrong was calling plays. Okay, so I might be wrong on that, but as like... <laughs> I should probably research that before we, I just threw that out there. It seems to me that guy heard that like they're maybe he's calling the running plays. Matt Miller might be calling the passing plays. I don't know. I can't take that back now, but if that's the case, you know, that's that led to, that was that Bob Cole thing, right? So this, this co coordinators has never been a really good idea. So, but whatever, it, it looked good Saturday. And kind of can you know, building off that we talked about, getting the tight ends involved. We certainly did with that. Derek Snell had a heck of a game. He, that guy is a, he's an athlete. He's a good, he's got some offensive skills. Oh, absolutely, man. One of my he favorite had a plays. Nice spin move. <laughs> when was that? I can't remember that one. He, he caught maybe a pass up the sideline and he like spun back in because the guy was bearing down on him. So he had a spin move, a tight end. Yeah. Okay. Was that his twenty-three yard reception that just Rovig just put it between zone coverage and just looks like a next level quarterback? There are so <laughs> many highlights and big plays from the first half that kind of just blurs together. So I'm not entirely sure what the result of that play was. It is a big play. It's like at least a ten yard reception. Yeah. I mean, it's so nice to see our tight ends getting back into the mix in the offense. You specifically called about the the play action tight end drag and that we did that. I know some tweeted at us. They said, it's like they listen to your podcast. <laughs> I mean, that no. kind of gave me the idea for this, to be honest with you. I'm not, I'm not doing this to pat ourselves on the back. Cause there's some stuff on here that we certainly whiffed on. It's just kind of a, we went on a big rant. I just want to kind of just curious to see if we were, if we had any idea what we're talking about, basically <laughs> if we're idiots or maybe some of the stuff we talked about had some merit. It's kind of where the point of this is really, I'd like to think Matt Miller was just there like Wednesday night, you know, trying to get some sleep, you know, thinking about the game. And he's like, well, you know what? I'm just going to put on the R&R cat cast. Looks over on his, his iPhone. New R&R cat cast available. Like, oh, yes. 
<laughs> That's exactly how it goes, I'm sure. It's like those rhymes <laughs> got some good points. Let's let's do it. <laughs> let's see how mean they are to me this week. Uh, uh, Tell me how it goes. <laughs> the one thing we did talk about, the one where we did not see this, and then I don't know if we can see this again this year, but the the play where the from last year where the wide receiver, it's a deep pass. We don't connect on it. We like swap out a wide receiver and run right back at the defensive back. You know what I'm talking about? We talked about this last episode. Oh yeah. So certainly did not see that. So that and that's fine. But I'm just just kind of that was on our wish list. So I'm just going down the list of things we talked about. No, Thorny, you're wrong there. We did do that. We did? When? Yeah. I do remember specifically watching the game going, yeah, we we missed on one and then we went right back at it. It might have been with Casey Bauman. Oh, maybe yeah, maybe. I, I watched a little bit less the second half. Okay. So, but yeah, I remember seeing it. So and then one other big thing I want to talk about here, and you've already kind of hit on it. We talked about the Wildcat quarterbacks and even needing to give the ball up. And I don't know if we necessarily thought that would be pitches from Troy Anderson, but we did talk about Troy Anderson having to give the ball up. And you already mentioned that in this episode, but that was one thing we kind of harped on. And it was really good to see. And I think it really caught the defense off guard. Oh, absolutely. The whole defense was crashing in on Troy. You watch that whole line. And <laughs> the, the whole defensive line is just focusing on Troy. Troy just flips it out to the side. And Perry or Sumner, I can't remember which one, just takes off. And it's just like, yeah, that's that's the easy call right there. So now, now that's on tape, right? Maybe this has been a season-long slow build <laughs> to like the, you know, how in a game you keep running the ball and running the ball and eventually going to play action and hit him. Maybe that's just <laughs> something we've been doing all season long. That's why all the quarterbacks keep it the entire time is because eventually, <laughs> eventually we're not going to keep the ball. <laughs> and we waited until we played Southern Utah to do it. <laughs> Highly doubt. Highly doubt. Oh man, we're having too much fun on this episode because that's so true. It's like, when has Troy actually pitched the ball? Unless that was his first one this year. I'm almost (laughs) positive that was his first pitch of the year. I know it netted us like 30 or 40 yards on that first play we did. It was great. Do it more often. Come on, cat. Yeah, we just, I mean, you and I harped on being predictable, right? And if you listen to any of the media outlets, they talked about us being predictable. That's not being predictable right there when we have Troy Anderson pitching the ball. That's a good job, guys. Good job. Keep doing that. But don't do that every time now. Mix it up now. You know, read the defense. Read Troy Anderson needs to read the whatever call he has right there. He needs to read that and make that choice. Fully. We did a shovel pass. A <laughs> shovel pass. How, yes. uh, that was it, it was really well executed. Um it went for like 30 yards down to like the two yard line and we punched it in the next play. I've been waiting for a, sh- that's just such a, a play that helps keep the pressure off. We don't have any way right now to head, not at least until this, before this game to keep a defense from just teeing off on Tucker Rovick because he's not going to beat you deep. And we didn't have any sort of blitz beating pass play. Like every other team in the planet has, we didn't have a shovel pass or a delayed handoff or effective screen pass game so <laughs> it was really good to see us get something that potentially is going to take some of the pressure off a team that's starting to get pretty blitz heavy on us oh absolutely just something simple as a shovel pass you know <laughs> just like the the most basic thing you can think of when it comes to offense and we just implemented it you know and now we're just giddy about it <laughs> right 
<laughs> one shuttle pass, my favorite play all season long. <laughs> It's just crazy how rudimentary our offense has been. And now we see a couple of wrinkles like a, a tight end wheel route or a drag or a shovel pass. And you and I are just high-fiving each other yeah, <laughs> across but- the state. We're just, yes, the Bobcats are back. Our offense is rolling. We're doing things that are, well, just what every other offense really does. But we're doing them now. <laughs> it's, it's good to go. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's just about a, time, though. <laughs> well, it's exciting because we've been able to beat teams, you know, a fair amount of teams. And we obviously lost a couple. We've been able to win games without those kinds of plays. So if we actually start adding legitimate plays like that into our arsenal, it really helps us. Like, it significantly helps the offense. Like, it's, I don't think it can be understated how big a deal it is to have these kinds of plays actually work for us. Oh, for sure. In... I can't remember who was seeing it after the game, but they're like, yeah, we had to practice these plays a little bit more. It moves away a little bit from our DNA. And I just kept thinking, I was like, these are just basic plays. This should have been practiced all season long. <laughs> like this shouldn't have just been like some install on week eight. Like this needs to, <laughs> this should have been in the summertime. So it just, it seems a little bit odd to me, but hey, they're there now and keep them going. The last thing I want to talk really about, uh, kind of Matt Miller's subject. You, you, you implored, implored Matt Miller to prove you're you wrong, prove you wrong, prove the doubters <laughs> wrong. Do you think he proved you wrong at least for one game? Uh, well, yes. Uh, the short answer is yes. In my mind, immediately skipped ahead to the next couple games. It's like, okay, now yeah. don't come predictable again. Okay, so we showed some new wrinkles. Just don't rest on those. Keep evolving you know keep doing something different or i think he's going to but but i don't know you know i you would like to think this would have happened prior to this game you know if we would have had anything like this in north dakota we would be sitting with one more win right now with this going into northern colorado saying you know we just need to get this to secure our our punch in our playoff ticket but we didn't so i don't know you know, one game is one game is nice. You know, we'll see. It's a good start at the very least. Yeah. Positive moment. It's a very good step in the right direction. Yeah, for sure. One other thing that you mentioned a lot, getting Lance McCutcheon involved. He showed up. I didn't even know he was on the team still. <laughs> I mean, okay, I, 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 it's a slight exaggeration. I knew he was on the team. But, yeah, he caught some passes. And uh, what did he, what was his stat line, Thorny? He was up three for 44. That's what it was. He caught three passes in a game. Good job, Lance McCutcheon, for showing up. It was a really nice play um, where Rovig was, I think it was a third down play. Rovig sat back in the pocket while it collapsed, ran forward, looked like he was going to scramble, but instead threw the ball right before the line of scrimmage, hit McCutcheon on a crossing route, and McCutcheon went and got the first down. It was like a third and seven. It was a really good play by Troy. It's a really good awareness by Lance McCutcheon. It was like, yes, those are the kind of plays we need to see on third down. We we picked up a couple of third and longs that were not what we normally do. So that was good to see this game. I also think that, uh, I think it was Lance where it was like maybe a third and 12 and Rova kind of dumped off to him on a crossing route, but he had space in front of him. And it just went right through his hands. So that wasn't so good. Yeah. I don't know if I don't know if he got the first down or not, but uh, he had plenty of space. I think he probably had a decent chance of doing so. Yeah, 
That's another thing. We did have a couple of easy drops for first down, specifically in the second half. Who knows? You know, we might have got those 14 points I talked about earlier. If we pick those up, uh, there's just some stuff to work on. Yep. Uh, let's see. What else we got here? We talked about playmakers needing to make plays. Jeff Cho talked about it last week. I thought that was a big improvement for us. And that's not just offensively. We're going to switch to the defense side of the ball. I thought pretty much everyone on the defense made a play. Terran Anderson made more plays he's made all season. Amandre Williams, I think, kind of had a breakout game a little bit himself. Braden Conkle had the fumble recovery that he returned for quite a while, quite a ways. It was a really good effort all along the everywhere. Like, uh, I thought the playmakers, some of the guys that we expect to make plays on a day in, day out basis, did in one of the most consistent manners I've seen so far this season. Bobcat defensives given up 14 points in two weeks. Southern Utah went 59 points against Idaho State the week before. I'm telling you, man, our defense right now is just playing lights out. It's becoming that defense that we have been talking about all season. We've been questioning them. Uh, sometimes they've been on this like roller coaster ride, but their arc right now is just their timing is great. I love what our defense is doing. And you need to even mention the fact that Southern Utah only scored on our second or third stringers too. Might've been fourth stringers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They marched right down the field on whoever it was for sure. But that was their third, uh, third string quarterback too. You know, when we get to the, like sure. Jeff Cho said, when we get to a third string quarterback, we're probably having a good day. <laughs> That's true. Southern Utah did not have a good day. No, they're missing. I mean, in, in defense of Southern Utah, they're missing some, some of their key players. It's true. It was kind of like one of those things where the everything went right for the Bobcats, and then they just buried Southern Utah from the get go. And Southern Utah just is like, well, they just looked uninspired, and we were just rolling. Like we just got it back. I mean, the guys were having fun; they weren't hanging their heads. We were just playing with intensity, and it's something that, like, you know, Coulter kind of talked about it today. It's just like you know that needs to be more consistent. Like, it just doesn't happen, has to happen in the month of November, like October. Like, every game should be that same intensity. And I think that should be a work upon for Jeff Choate and his crew. No, I kind of want to get away from the needing to have our backs against the wall to really play with the fire and passion we need to because this team is full of talent. And when we play like we did in the first half, I know it's in Utah, but that's still going to translate to a lot of wins. It may not be 42-0 in the first half, but you play like that, you're going to win a lot of football games. Yeah, and the mental aspect is huge with this team. The last thing that you kind of talked about, that we both talked about, this is a good way to end this kind of segment <laughs> here. Man, go play the game. Have fun. Just get back to playing, man. You talked about seeing Matt Miller like in high school, and now he needs a coach. Just, like, just go out there and have fun. And I really think that the guys did. I think I saw a lot more fire from the players a lot more excitement a lot more passion just celebrating i thought it was just a they really just went and had fun with it they just really played a lot looser when you see guys like Jaden smith get his first touchdown tyrone marshall get his first touchdown it's hard not to have fun and celebrate those moments and that's one of the the bright spots about this game is just the young guys stepping up and just making plays Jaden smith <laughs> Looked legit on the outside. Hey, that guy's got some size, right? Like, that makes me excited for next year. It makes me excited for what's to come this year. Tyrone Marshall on that fly sweep. 
and are on the end of round right there scoring. I mean, that's a guy, that's a success story right there coming from community college to coming over to Montana state, getting his touchdown. I mean, that just feels good. So when you start to see those young players, those guys that normally don't get those touches in our stars on the sideline, just cheering them on. It feels good. It feels great. Yeah. There's a lot of young guys who got playing time in this game. And I, I, I had to look at my uh, go to the MSU Bobcat roster several times because I didn't know who everyone's number was. I was like, who is that? <laughs> All right. It's a good thing when you have guys playing not due to injury because you're coasting and you just have to getting some guys some action. That's super important. That's one of those things that develops a program over long term because you have these guys that start getting playing time as a sophomore, especially now with the redshirt rule. You can have them come in for a handful of snaps at the end of a game. We can do that four times freshman year and still redshirt. So being up enough to get these guys some experience, just any experience when the bullets are live, not in a practice situation is only going to pay huge dividends later in their careers. Totally agree with that, Thorny. And it just feels good for them. You know, it keeps them hungry. All right, Thorny. So how about, uh, do you have any other thoughts on this uh, Southern Utah game? Not Southern Utah specifically, but why do the Bobcats either st- Start hot and finish cold or start cold and finish hot fully? Gosh, it's a huge question. It is. I just sprung it on you. But we don't, <laughs> even, have, we don't have to answer it, but that's just like uh, four yeah, quarters I of football. Mean, I mean, we could we could keep that as rhetorical. It's something, like I said, I think it's something that um, on, uh, Jeff Choate kind of in the offseason needs to think about because it's like patterns and we're starting to see it. It's not just It's not just within the game. Because, you know, we've been talking about, hey, can we put together four quarters, all four quarters, all three, all three phases. That's that still hasn't happened yet. But in the arc of a season too, like it seems like October is not the month for Bobcat football. And at least the last two years, like we're like, okay, October, eh, well, you know, we're going to lose two here and there, you know, but don't worry. November's coming. Big man month. And <laughs> we're going to take care of month. And then we're going to take care of business. Well, you know what? You know, you know, fingers crossed right now, right? Because yeah, it looks good. It looks good, but come on. I mean, I mean, it's all out in front of us. We've got three huge games coming up. And if we would have won at North Dakota, we'd be playing this weekend and our ticket would be stamped, you know, if we win. And that feels good. That feels way better than going, have to go and, okay, you got to win at, uh, you got to win in Greeley, which is a weird place to play. And then you have to go on the road again to UC Davis. Who's UC Davis going to be? You know, I was looking at their, I was looking at their schedule just yesterday, and I'm just like, who are these guys? It's just a weird. I mean, the Bobcats put themselves in this position. They could have, they could have taken care of business, and it's just, you know, Jeff. That's on Jeff Choate. To me, that's on Jeff Choate and the coaching staff right there, not our players. No, we talked about it pretty extensively last episode. We think it's more of a coaching problem. I don't know how much we've mentioned this on this podcast. We talked about this quite a bit offline that we just think a lot of the issues we have with the passing game, the offense, we don't necessarily lay at the feet of Tucker Rovick. Like he has to improve. We agree, but we feel like more of the issues just in general in the offense have been more of the coaching side of things. And I really kind of saw some steps being taken there that made me a lot more optimistic about the outlook of the rest of the season, just based on how we, how the coaching played out. Oh, for sure. And it was kind of the best case scenario. So like, let's say we get up 21 points in the first quarter, which we 
that really opens up or like kind of loosens the, I don't know if the tightness if it is the right word, but it loosens up the play calling where you can start to try some stuff and, you know, things start working. Well, that's the best case scenario for the catch right there. Because if, if we go into a tight game with Southern Utah, well, what are we going to do? Is Matt Miller going to go and still call the game he just did? Or is he going to go back to some stuff that he's been uh, calling? And so that's really interesting to me. Like when it gets tight, what are we going to do? But, you know, best case scenario happened for the Cats. Now now we, we have called it. We have success with it. Makes it a little easier to call when the going gets tough. Jim Lear on Twitter asks, why are we creative offensively in blowouts or against teams we think we should beat? But when we play good defense like North Dakota, we play vanilla with little creativity. Kind of ties exactly into what we're talking about. What do you? What are your thoughts on that? I think that goes back to the the mentality Jeff Chope brings to the team. I think he gets too intense sometimes, and when we play these uh, these upper echelon teams, I feel like he just clutches the reins on the team, and he just doesn't let his coaches coach. I don't feel like he. Uh, trusts a lot of people in that point. And I think he tries to micromanage a little bit more during those situations and tries to control the situation just a little bit more. When we have these lesser opponents and we start getting on a roll, he's like, okay, yeah, just call whatever you want. I mean, this is just my opinion, but it seems like what's happening. So what I really would like to see Jeff Choate do is just take that step and just of trust and trust your coordinators, trust Matt Miller, trust Kane Ione, make those calls and just let him play. And I think uh, that I think that's his next step to balance that. I think that's a great answer, and I hadn't really thought about it from quite that perspective, but it makes sense. Like when we're in a game where it's a tight maybe game or a game that uh, against an opponent we think is pretty evenly matched with us, Jeff Choate maybe has more control and kind of tightens things. I was thinking more just the fact that the whole team just has this kind of sense of, not to lose mentality. Like we talked about, we just like, we're playing tight. We're playing not to lose. It's a big game. We can't lose this game. But when you play a team that you look on film and you think like, Oh, we can beat these guys just straight up. You play a bit looser. I mean, a lot of it just has to do with just having that winner's mentality, like, or maybe, maybe just Jeff Choate letting you have that mentality, but it's, it's all mental. I mean, that's all it really is. It's, it's, it's purely, a mental aspect of the game that's causing the Bobcats to kind of play tight or, and or coach tight in games that are more evenly matched, like North Dakota. And so I think that's, that's a great question, Jim. And I don't know how great of an answer we gave you here, but uh, those kind of our thoughts on that. Good question. Nice job, Jim. Hey, Jim, get to us. I'll send you that golden koozie. Woo! We always do a clap. Thorny, just a little bit on the Golden Koozies. It was really cool to see the Golden Koozie movement take force on Game 7 of the World Series last week. That was yeah. fun. <laughs> yep, Bear Tycoon got on the action. And it was him and um, I think it was Troy who like both tweeted a picture of their koozies watching the Game 7 like within minutes of each other. It was kind of funny. <laughs> oh, oh, Pete was in there too. Pete Burfening. Oh, was Pete. It was, it was Pete. It was Pete. It was totally Pete. I'm wrong. <laughs> Yeah, man, the Golden Koozies, they're fun. It's just like our little pet project is so cool. So uh, if you want one of those Golden Koozies, get at us. You can always uh, go on the Twitter, hashtag Golden Koozie, uh, or you can get on the Bobcat Nation, or you could email us at rrcatcast at gmail.com.
All right. Yep. Keep keep it up, guys. And um, I think it's a perfect time to move on. Anything else you want to talk about? Southern no. Utah. Let's get on to the preview of the Northern Colorado Mighty Fighting Bears. I have no idea if it's Mighty Fighting or whatever. But the oh, it's the Golden Bears, isn't it? It's the Golden Bears. I like the Mighty Fighting Bears better. Thank you. Talking. I'm googling. Hey, cool. do you have a one play that comes to mind when you think about Northern Colorado? No, I don't. The only thing I can really think of is Sean Johnson returning like a hundred yard touchdown against him a couple years ago. Okay, well that's that's a play. That that answers that question. Chase Gazzaro had one of the nastiest hits in Greeley, Colorado, I could ever remember. And one of their receivers came across the middle, and Chase Gazzaro just laid him out before targeting was targeting. It was one of the nastiest hits I had ever seen. No, I don't remember that one specifically. Was that in Greeley or Bozeman? I just said it was in Greeley. You got to listen <laughs> to me. Uh, why would I do that? <laughs> yeah. The Fighting Care Bears. What do you got on them? <laughs> the Fighting Care Bears. Um, Lionheart. Well, <laughs> they are uh, not very good this year. But they do have some playmakers, so we're gonna I'm gonna call out some players that think will present problems to the Bobcats. And this is not an easy game. Going to Greeley, as Jeff Choate constantly talks about, is a bring your own energy game. Greeley, perfect example of it. They got the grass field, the kind of the small bleacher. I don't want to insult them too bad, but that high school esque field. You know, it's a bring your own energy game. But they, you know, they got yet another sixth year veteran quarterback in Jacob Nip who is a 6'4", 213-pound senior. I mean, the whole offense goes through Jacob Dip. The Bears go as he goes. So that's really one player to keep an eye on. The other guy is Milo Hall, who is a 5'8", 190-pound senior. He leads the league in rushing attempts. Um, I didn't keep the number down. I should have. But he only averages 3.3 yards per carry. They basically just run him into a brick wall, like nonstop, and just give him 25 carries a game. Is there any, anyone on offense that you saw for the Northern Colorado Bears that worry you? Well, definitely number seven, J- Jacob Nip. Yeah. How, how, many, how many senior quarterbacks, how many fifth-year, six-year senior quarterbacks are the Bobcats going to face? I don't year? know. It's the whole gambit, though. I don't think there's anyone left in the conference. I think we played every single one of the teams that has one. It just feels like the Big Sky Conference is, is peppered with these veteran quarterbacks. His profile on their website says, like, graduate or uh <laughs> yeah. grad program or something. It didn't even say like senior. <laughs> oh man, I was reading through their media. Yeah, I was reading through their media guide yesterday and they were the profile on Jacob Nip. And he was injured every year except one. And I was just like, wow, this guy's just like he's like, oh, they played three games and then he got injured for the rest of the season or he played one game. And this guy's just been through the ringer. So but Northern Colorado, man, their offense, they're dead last in the offense right now in the eight, 18.7 points per game. They're 11th in defense out of 13. I mean, Northern Colorado does not present huge problems uh, statistically for us. Mentally and emotionally, Greeley, Colorado, the trip, just being over there on the road because the Bobcats have not been the same team on the road. That's something... That's something to talk about right there. Oh, for sure. That's I don't know the statistics of it. I assume that you're going to talk about it. You have some sort of stats you want to bring up here? No, I mean, th- that's literally all I have on Northern Colorado. Okay. It's just where there are in, uh, 
in the Big Sky Conference right now. You know, you know what's crazy? Uh, this is their fourth home game this year. I know they only have five of them. I always feel bad for those those teams that only have five home games. I mean, in a twelve game season, you have seven away games. That's just tough. There's certain things we really take for granted being a fan of Montana State. The financial, not having the financial burden, having to play so many away, money games, away games, only getting five home. We would never have five home games in any season ever. No. Not, not 11 not. games, certainly not 12. Like, it's just not, can't even imagine this. I mean, we have advantages up the wazoo. Do you remember back in the early 2000s? I used to just like marvel at how many home games the Grizzlies would have. You'd just be like, you know what? They have eight home games that season, seven home games that season. I was like, of course they're winning every game. Of course their record is off the charts. They never play on the road. It's just, it's just wild. And then you get like teams like Northern Colorado where four home games, five home games, it's just, how's that even equitable? I don't know how that even happens, Ryan. How do you build up fan support in a situation where you never play in front of your fans? Yeah, it's just, you know, Northern Colorado had really good success in the Division Two. They should have never came to the Big Sky. I mean, hindsight's at, twenty twenty on that. Well, look at Ernest Collins, their their head coach. He's in their eighth year at Northern Colorado. Cushiest co- job in the history of anything. Yeah. He is 34 and 74, <laughs> 34 and 74. And he still has he's got like job. A two year, two years left on his contract. They gave him a contract after last year. I think in like 2015, 2016, they went like six and five. Do you remember that where Northern Colorado was starting to make a little bit of noise? You're like, Oh man, they're kind of pretty good. He even like knocked Jacob off nips like a uh, third junior year. Yeah. They even knocked off the Grizz in one of those years. It was, I think 2016. They, I mean, it's just, it is what it is. They're just largely yeah. inconsistent in, um, you know, it's just, I did, they just don't have the resources we have. And honestly, there's just too far South for us to, I mean, we talk about, we, we haven't really talked about this in depth, but you and I should spend some time talking about just the big sky conference in general. I, oh, there's I think, too many damn teams. Yeah, exactly. I think, we could make an argument for to cut a couple of these in Northern Colorado would be one. Yep. I mean, it's easy to pile on and I don't want to, this is not a game that we can dismiss. Like, let's get that out there. You kind of talked about that. This is not a game we can just write off. They do have some playmakers offensively. I kind of mentioned a couple guys that I thought have an impact defensively. They have one of the best cornerbacks in the entire conference. Mike, Michael Walker, six, one, one ninety two, is a senior. He's first in the conference interceptions. He's second in the league in passes defended at 11. He's got 11 passes defended. Six mm-hmm. one's a good size for a cornerback. And this is this is a great test for a guy like Tucker Rovig because a savvy quarterback knows who not to throw at, right? <laughs> yeah. You got a guy who's first in the, in the league in interceptions. If you can avoid testing him, you avoid testing him. So it's going to be interesting to see just kind of that chess match there to see if Rovick can uh, understand the mismatch against him and avoid it. That's, that's, that's an important progression for a quarterback. Tucker Rovig had such a better game with his eyes last, last weekend. Just I think like, it's his best game as a Bobcat. Yeah, me too. Uh, he made some plays where, I mean, he's just moving safeties with his eyes, you know, and that's something that he, you know, had lacked 
And Jeff Cho- talked about today. He's like, you know, Tucker Ovix maybe only played 12 games. Maybe not even that. That's you know? high. That's very high. He hasn't, he hasn't yeah. even played 10, I don't think. So he had a two last year and six this year. Yeah. So this is, this is, that put a little perspective for me. I was like, that's, that's a good point, Jeff. You know, Tucker Ovig is making some progress. He made a big step forward last week. And I think, uh, you know, I think that, I think he'll do, do better. I think the Bobcats in the hole, specifically the offense, it just kind of smells some little blood in the water. And, uh, you know, I, I think the catcher, you know, going to keep rolling that momentum over from last week. If there's an away game you're going to have right now to kind of build momentum, I mean, this is as good as it gets. North, Northern Colorado is 123rd in total defense in the, in the country. There's only like 126 teams in the, in the country. 125. I, I don't even know. They're, they're pretty close to dead last. They're 111th in rushing defense, 118th in passing defense, 114th <laughs> in passing efficiency defense. I was looking at their uh, the national rankings for most of the, the categories listed on the NCAA's website. They're in the bottom third of almost everything. Oh, man. <laughs> it's bad. And, and, and fourth, in every conversion category, fourth down conversion, offense, defense, third down, offense, defense, they're 90th or worse in all of them. <laughs> like you look at the stats on this team, and it's one of the worst statistical teams I've ever seen. They're so not even... Oh god. Yeah, if we play if we play Northern Colorado mid-October, I'm feeling a little bit more worried about this game than I do right now. It's yeah, just, what if what if we play them right out of the bye week after losing to Sac State? That's oof, I don't know. Yeah, that would be just crazy, right? It's just okay. So, Northern Colorado is going to be Northern Colorado. The Cats got to bring their own energy. I just what are what are your hopes for this game, Thorny? To be completely honest with you, just get out of there with a the win. Like, I don't, I don't want to sit there and take this game so lightly that I'm like, hope that specifically on offense we do this. I hope this Rovic does this. Like, this is a game we need to win. A game that we may struggle with historically. Like, we just never play well in Greeley. I just want to come out there and win. I don't care if it's ugly. I prefer to look good. I prefer Rovic to take another step. I prefer things to be. A continuation of all the stuff we've been talking about this entire podcast, but honestly, this game, I just want us to win. If we win and by five points, how do you feel? Complacent. Okay. <laughs> not happy, not sad, just like flush it down the toilet and get on the next one. Yeah. I'd agree with you there. I I don't I don't need to see the Bobcats blow Northern Colorado out in this week. But we, I mean, obviously we need to win. This, this is backs against the wall again. <laughs> like, has it always been for Jeff Choate? So, yeah, we need to win. Yeah, I'll I mean, take a, I'll take a one point victory. We need to win. I mean, this is what Jeff Choate identifies as a trap game, right? You just had a, a huge win. You finally got the monkey off your back. Like you talked about last episode, it feels like I haven't won in a month. Well, we finally did win. We won in big, convincing fashion. Now we go on to the road with the low energy stadium. And this this is a hard game. It's a hard game just based on all the factors that aren't related to how good Northern Colorado is. So a win is all I care about. Ugly, whatever. I'm happy if we come out to win. Absolutely. One of the things I think is is important to think right now is the Bobcats seem to have a momentum right now. Like they just that game from Southern Utah just felt good all around. 
Like we got some momentum. I think the cash gonna come in here, play play the month of November with some momentum. And so, you know, Northern Colorado, I think is gonna be just fine for. But you know, I I hate seeing stuff like that. I'm I'm very superstitious. You know me. But uh, I the cats, yeah, they have some momentum right now, and I think they have the attention. They they know what's at stake. I mean, their team goals are at stake right now. They they've mentioned all year long they wanted to have a seed. They need to they need to win out to get a seed, right? I mean, they can't go. They they the can't. Seed is they still can't, a possibility. Yeah, for sure, the seed is still a possibility. A nine and three team is still a possibility. I mean, you and I are assuming we'd lose one within this uh, stretch. Who knows? You know, we could win out. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's always a possibility. But let's hope that the uh, the continuation of a, playing a team that just beat Idaho State continues. Because <laughs> that they're coming off of a victory. They are coming off their only second victory of the, the season. Yeah, and they like playing the state of Idaho, I'll tell you what. Oh, they, did they beat Idaho too? <laughs> yeah, 27-24. <laughs> and they beat Idaho State 26-20. The, the rest have been lo- uh, losses. Idaho is the weirdest team I've ever seen the Big Sky Conference this year. Gosh, man. I'm so done with Idaho. They're crazy. Anyway, that that's about all we got on Northern Colorado. We got anything else you want to add? Nope. Well, let's move on to recapping our bold predictions from last year. Last episode. God. What you have? Thorny, mine was the Cats would get their swagger back. And they did, buddy. And that is confirmed by Shane Driscoll, Driscoll Cat, our third party. <laughs> yep, he did confirm via text, and I I agree 100%. So good job. Good good prediction. Nice job, fully. I predicted that Troy Anderson would take one single carry at running back, one measly, insignificant carry. He did not. I failed. <laughs> He did so good on offense. He gave the ball up. It was great. He just didn't need to run the ball. I mean, he had that first play, whatever. But yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny how you ridiculed me for my bold prediction of that. And it didn't even come true. Apparently, it was extremely bold. <laughs> so, oh well. Right. Moving on. Do you have a bold prediction for this week? You go first. I need to think. Oh, man. Ryan, I didn't have one. Okay, so I, <laughs> good I, content. I, this is excellent content. Yeah. Um, so here's my bold prediction. I think Tucker Rovick's going to pass for over 200 yards. Yeah, I'll allow it. That's real. That's that's fairly bold for a road game for sure. What's yours? That we will have five sacks. Back to back five sack games. Yep. Woo. All right, Getting I like dialed that. in. Troy's on fire. Mondre Williams on fire. Bryce Sturk plays a whole game. Yeah, five. We get five sacks. You can't forget Chase Benson. Chase Benson was lights out last game. He was. Oh, we talked about how we think he's playing as good as he can play last week. I think we we're wrong. He's he has a higher ceiling than we even gave him credit for. Nice job, Chase. Good job. All right, buy yourself, Thorny. You ready for this? I am. All right, Thorny, you're on the hot seat. The win against, by yourself, Thorny, the win against Southern Utah was fool's gold. You notice how that I let you ask this question, even though we could have asked this at any point during the entire episode. Um, a little bit. I do. I will buy that it's fool's gold because, we, you know, we can't expect to dominate any team like that. 
They were depleted. I know they came against an angry Bobcat team, but it's a little bit of fool's gold. Like it's not like if you had to make me choose between a yes or no type situation, I would say, yeah, it is a little bit fool's gold. So I will buy that it is fool's gold in a way. Okay. Number two, I'm concerned we didn't score in the second half. No, I'm going to sell that. I, after listening to Jeff Cho talk about the play, the this kind of strategy in the second half, I'm not too concerned. Third question, buy or sell, I gained confidence in Miller's play calling. Oh, buy that. I liked what I saw. Um, it Will he continue to do so? Going back to our golden koozie question, you know, can he do it? Is he going to have the, the, not the courage is the wrong word, but is he going to just, you know, be able to do that against teams when the game is tight, have the confidence in his team? Will Jeff Choate has the confidence in him to call the plays moving down the stretch? So, but either way, I took a step and yes, I will buy that. All right. Number four, Thorny. I lose sleep because of the Bobcats. I'm selling it. I'm not really ever sleeping anyway because I have two toddlers. So, no, sell it. I, I, it doesn't affect me in a sleep deprivation style way. <laughs> My mood, yes. Sleeping now. Okay. Last one, Thorny. Buy or sell pumpkin spice. Can I just say it different? Like, I don't really care. No, you can't. You got to buy or sell it. Well, then I'll buy it because pumpkin pie is delicious. Okay. <laughs> Based on pumpkin pie alone, pumpkin spice is delicious. All right, Thorny, you're off but the I'll hot sell, seat. I'll, I will sell. It's gone way too far. So, <laughs> okay. So now, you, now you're selling. Which one are you doing? I'm, I'm going to say buy it because pumpkin spice <laughs> is good. But it's okay. gone too far. But I'm still going to buy pumpkin spice. Is delicious. <laughs> right. You had me confused there for a moment. You're being wishy washy. Right? I am. Come on. I am. All right, Thorny, you're officially off the hot seat. Fully, my turn. Buy or sell the win against SUU Southern Utah. <laughs> was fool's gold. Uh, I'm going to sell that. I think the Bobcats earned that. I don't think it's fool's gold. We are the dominant team there. They were just actualizing their potential. Good job, Bobcats. I'm going to buy that. You sold it. We are different. Number two, I'm concerned we didn't score in the second half. I was concerned. I'm going to buy that. I was I was concerned we didn't score in the second half. I thought for sure we should have scored seven, at least 14. Uh, we didn't convert on a couple fourths. I know Jeff Choate said we are what we were, but all of a sudden we start playing conservative. And even in our conservative game, I thought um, Southern Utah being one of the last teams in run defense, we should have just been able to run the ball no matter what. We weren't. They were keen up on it. When Southern Utah got a little swagger in the second half. Uh, so specifically that third quarter, zero points all around, it just felt weird. I'm selling that. I was concerned we didn't score in the second half. Number three, I've gained confidence in Miller's play calling. That's a soft sell. I I really liked what I saw. I need to see more. Number four, I lose sleep because of the Bobcats. Unfortunately, I do have to buy that. I find myself waking up around five o'clock in the morning and thinking about it a little too much. And Man, it's just, it gets me, like, I can't go back to sleep. I think about the Bobcats just a little too much. And it's just, it is what it is. And last but not least, pumpkin spice. I am selling. I I just don't know the proliferation about pumpkin spice. I'm going to sell. I do like pumpkin pie, but 
it's not something that I really, really seek out. I know, you know, Starbucks always touts pumpkin spice is back. I've never had a pumpkin spice latte. All right. Well, fair enough. I like your answers there. Yeah. There we go, man. So that was a tough one on the on the fool's gold one, but I just don't think we can get too excited about it is really where I landed on that one. Yeah. And then I'm just a little bit opposite. So that's good. All right. Well, let's wrap this up. We've been going on. I don't even know how long because I didn't keep track. We're well over an hour, hour 10, hour and 15, somewhere in that range. I have no idea. But let's wrap it up. Um, as usual, follow us on Twitter, RRCatCast. Please, if you listen to us on any podcast service, give us a like, subscribe, whatever. Give us a rating um, if you like what you see. If you don't like what you see, give us a rating too because we're always looking for feedback on how we can improve. Give us uh, some feedback on Bobcat Nation. Answer our golden koozie questions for your chance to win a golden koozie, courtesy of Mr. Ryan Foley, the hottest koozie probably in the entire United States right now. Other net, <laughs> what? It probably is. I mean, I've converted you to a koozie, man. Come on now. I'm drinking this ridiculous imperial stout and my golden koozie. So yes, you've converted me. <laughs> so again, thank you for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. Go cats. Go cats. <laughs>